The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Two men with identities forged in the white hot fires of the 90s comic book boom, now ready to re examine the era where heroes became extreme and what magazine gave rise to a market of speculation. If you've got the guts, prepare to enter the world of Wizards, the podcast guide to comics. Greetings, geeks, and welcome to a very unconventional episode of Wizards, the podcast guide to comics, the podcast where we re-examine the 90s comic book boom through the pages of Wizard Magazine. Now, I say unconventional because tonight we're breaking the format of our main episodes and bringing you what we're calling a Wizards wildcard experience. So I'll explain what that means in a moment. But first off, let me introduce myself. I'm the ringleader of this four geek circus, but I'm not wearing my hypnotizing top hat right now. I'm Adam. And joining us soon enough and ready to drive me up the wall with tangents about Long Island and Lego. <laughs> It'll be Michael. He will be joining us soon. But back on the podcast tonight, okay, are two guys we haven't talked to in far too long. First up, it's a man who must have considered starting a counter-organization to the militant fan enclave called Heat, aka Hal's Emerald Attack Team, that was trying to get Ron Mars off a of Green Lantern in 1998. He surely was coming up with his own acronym. Maybe it was called Key or Kyle's Emerald Excitement Platoon. Huh? It's our old pal and co-host, Steven Cephalus. How's it going, buddy? It's gone great. Thank you for, for having me back. And I probably would have, like, if I could have kept Ron Mars on Green Lantern for the rest of my life, I, I would have signed that contract. That would have been amazing. <laughs> uh, but all those people who love cross-gen, they would have been very disappointed. <laughs> now, here's the other thing. We don't usually let our guests pick the other guests who's going to join them on an episode, but never let it be said that Wizards doesn't make dreams come true. Steven spoke, and we listened. So rounding out our panel tonight is a co-host of the newest podcast on the Retro Network, Remember That Show? Also co-hosted by yours truly, it's William Bruce West. How's it going, Will? Good, how are you doing? Excellent. Uh, this is fun. A meeting, you know, between you guys. I know you guys have been like sharing, uh, you know, different things back and forth on social media. Why did you want to talk to Will so badly here, Stephen? You know, we seem to have a lot of things in common in terms of like, obviously comic books, but also like old sitcoms. It seems like we're about the same age. So we grew up with the exact same shows. And I just think he's super funny. Like, like I, like I laugh at all of his tweets that I see. Uh, they're very relevant to my specific set of interests. So it's great. I'm really excited to meet William in person or over Zoom or whatever the heck this is. <laughs> uh, and I love your new podcast. And I feel like I'm overqualified to be a guest on the show. So once you need guests, I'm uh, I'm around. Yeah, we definitely will be giving you a call. Speaking of Remember That Show, Will, do you think you can explain the premise to everybody here? Sure. But first off, who are we calling guests here? We're all family. It's Olive <laughs> Garden, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but Remember That Show is a nice little project where we take a look at shows that kind of flew under the radar. I know like right now people like 
to touch upon shows that maybe were canceled too soon or just were blips. Some of these shows were on for years, but they just never hit the top of somebody's like favorite list. I always say we look at shows that maybe remind you of something you may have seen at your grandma's house one time. <laughs> it just kind of sparks that nostalgia in you. So we just revisit them and look at what may have worked, what may not have worked, but also the thing that's like the most fun aspect of the show is the segment called Show Doctors, where we kind of pitch what we would do to the original concept to either have given it a longer life when it aired or how we would reboot it today. So yeah, we just, we have a lot of fun with it. We have two episodes out so far. The first one was The Critic and the most recent one was the syndicated teen soap opera Swan's Crossing. So if you can see those different ends of the spectrum... <laughs> something you love falls in between those two poles. That's for sure. And I will tease just as this is coming out in October for our October episode, we're covering mini monsters, which was part of the comic strip syndicated cartoon package. If anybody remembers that. So it's gonna be pretty fun. <laughs> don't, I don't remember that at all. A lot of people are going to be learning about it for the first time, but Hey, Interesting. We, got, we got somebody else to bring in here. Oh, there he is. Michael Kennedy. How you doing? Good. All right. Now, what are we doing on this wizard wildcard card? I said up top, we're getting a little more loose tonight. The format is not going to be what you're used to. We have four fun people here. Like Will said, we're all family and the family of geeks. <laughs> Let me explain. Instead of covering every segment in the same order as we normally do, reading my carefully crafted show notes verbatim, I'm a stickler. Uh, we're going to let everyone on the panel choose which items from this issue they want to discuss in no particular order. It's going to be pandemonium, guys. Get ready for it. Can you hit? It? I don't know. But you might be wondering then how is this wild card format going to work? We will rotate between the four of us going from article to article, topic to topic. The only requirement will be that we must declare the name of the segment the item would fit into. And when we're done, we'll pass it on to the next member of the panel. So for example, if Steven wants to discuss a wizard news story, he'll have to state wizard news. Do the do, 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 old timey radio sound. <laughs> Which so even oh Lucy Goosey has a structure with Adam. <laughs> Oh, boy. Now, if Michael wants to mention a story about Todd McFarland, he'd have to state Jim and Todd's hype machine. And if Will wants to debate the results of a main feature story, he'll state table of contents. Now, if I desperately want to get things back on track, because we've only talked about one actual piece of news for the issue over a 30-minute period, I'm out of luck. You'll have to tune into the mini episode, 83.5. You'll hear everything we didn't get to. So, guys, any questions? If we say Steve Gutenberg, we go on a Love Island tangent for a little while. I, I, I'm powerful. <laughs> that's good that's a good one okay good i'll start here no first of all. you can't start because you'll take I, us off track immediately no i no i actually have a linear thought at the moment believe okay. it or not so when you sent us the scan i noticed there's two covers for this particular issue and you sent me the astro city one because i have this one and now i'm wondering why you didn't send me the super heroines cover that this is obviously an alex ross cover it's beautiful it's a fold out it's got 
that. The whole kit and caboodle looks great, yada, yada, yada. But now I want to see the fold out of the superheroines cover because there's so many different characters on that cover together. And that's you what my this? first thought was. I don't have that cover. I have no, no, the... Adam, I was, at ta- I was wondering uh, if sh- Adam has it. Oh, I'm sure he does. Come on. <laughs> he, found, he found it at a thrift store somewhere. Let's so, see what we got. Oh, there it is. is. Okay, so these are superheroines that you've seen from the scan. And then here is the rest of the crew. So oh, there's, there's an invisible woman. There we go. Yeah, fair child, that woman, Scarlet Witch. So what I love about this cover, speaking of the cover, okay, is if you look... Like, you really can tell who he was basing them on. Like, Melody Griffith as Supergirl, or is it Meg Ryan? Tell me. I went with Meg Ryan. Okay. I don't know. The hair kind of says Melanie Griffith or maybe a young Goldie Hawn in a way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but, it, but it's, it's really crazy. So we'll let everybody study that when we post it. But yeah, the Alex Ross cover is pretty cool too. Although I, I will say with the covers, it's kind of funny because the Alex Ross cover is barely justified in this issue. There's like one mention of, okay, here's what's coming up, you know, over the summer in Astro City stories. And then one like tiny other blurb about Astro City. So it's not, like there's a full article there's not a Kurt Busiek interview there's nothing going on there and that kind of is the theme of this issue right is just like we did a bunch no. of interesting stuff and we just kind of threw it into one issue we're not really focused anywhere you know so uh, I also want to add a little factoid this is probably actually our four year anniversary episode because our first episode aired late October of 2019 so we have four for four four of us here for the fourth wow there you go (laughs) all subconsciously planned up here that's right you didn't even think of that only i thought of that like a steel trap i do (laughs) so that was michael who are you gonna pass it to now can we pass it to will what are you gonna do yeah we'll dive in go for it go nuts i'm so like nervous that we don't have this script i'm like just don't get canceled (laughs) because my first thing was also the covers like that was the top of my notes and i was thinking that i actually preferred the astro city one it was just like and i wasn't an astro city fan at the time i'm only recently learning about it through your show actually but it's just it's gorgeous even though they're unknown characters to me something about that like i get what Hughes was trying to do and it was fitting for the feature we'll cover in this issue but it didn't feel like the strongest Hughes offering Hmm. so I was really like I loved that Astro City one but yeah (laughs) that's interesting okay so yeah Adam Hughes you could have done something more for us but it's all good it's all good okay so everybody everybody has has some thoughts on the covers to start we're starting on literal (laughs) page one do you want to pass it will or did you want to take it into a segment I will pass it to Steven well I'm going to be a cliche and go for heroes in motion So, so the was, first yeah. story is about 
Superman Lives. And it's got a really weird, like a picture of Nicolas Cage's head just plopped onto Christopher Reeve's body. Oh, boy. (laughs) Does it really? Oh, I see it now. Yeah. Oh, boy. Cage says about his character, I like the fact that I don't look like Superman. I mean, I've always felt that I'm every man. And I think that every man can be Superman. Do you think of Nicolas Cage as an every man? I think of it as an eccentric man. Like a man of the people? Yes, that Coppola legacy really makes him a man of the people. (laughs) At that time, I kind of did. You know, like, especially when you look at his roles, I mean, like, Con Air is the utmost man of the people. He's a guy with a mullet and a wife beater. You know, it's not until you get into the 2000s where he gets to be, like, crazy, wacky Nicolas Cage. Like, he was kind of high-strong back then. You know what? Like, I like I think of every man, I think of, like, Brendan Fraser. He's an every man, you know? Nick Cage is kind of not all the way Bruce Willis, but he's somewhere, like, between... Brendan Fraser and Bruce Willis, somewhere in that spectrum. <laughs> I, I feel like no one since Cage or before Cage has been like Cage. Like he's just his own unique, weird thing. Like even his Cameron Poe and Con Air is oh. a ridiculous character <laughs> when he's like, why couldn't you put the bunny down? Put the bunny <laughs> no back normal in the box. <laughs> human being would say it like that. But the other interesting thing here is they talk about uh, Lex Luthor casting and Obviously, Kevin Spacey comes up, but also Jack Nicholson comes up. Yeah, there's yeah. a strange idea. Like, there's like, well, he played a great Joker. Wouldn't he be a great Lex Luthor? I mean, he'd be a very different Lex Luthor than we'd expect. I'm sure it would be memorable. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, though. I mean, would he go full bald for us? Like, would, would I Jack... doubt it. <laughs> I can more see Danny DeVito playing Lex Luthor than, than Jack Nicholson. Well, it's also funny because Nicholson and Hackman were such contemporaries. Yeah. And like, they would both be luther and both would not shave their heads to play luther one thing i want to mention here too that he talks about is like those of us who have seen death of superman lives what's that documentary called yes the death of superman lives what happened yeah like but like that the whole focus was superman was going to be a weirdo and cage 100 percent goes into that here he goes like i remember what i felt like as a child in school being teased and if there's one kid out there who's being called a weirdo or a freak and he goes home and he's just not having a good day in his life and his life at school is hell if he sees superman and he says well superman is a weirdo he's considered different maybe i'm superman that's enough for me to feel real good about making the movie that was the vision i got from it I was like, whoa. I mean, that would have been nice, right? Weirdo Superman could appeal to the outsiders. Yeah, I feel like he already did. Like every kid related to Superman in some way, just because he already seemed like an outsider. Uh, But I guess they want to hang a lantern on it, as they like to say. I guess so. In the industry. But also, if you go through the rest of this, the other very interesting piece of news is about the Justice League of America two hour pilot, that live action movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, And about how bootlegs are starting to hit, I guess, the convention scene. Although they say here that it's like never going to air on CBS. I thought it did. Didn't it air once? And people, because there's like actual promos that I remember playing when it was up on YouTube back in the day, like a promo before it started. So I don't know. Like, it feels like it did run one time, but nobody knew about it and nobody saw it. I I feel like it it probably died like halfway through the first commercial break. They canceled it. (laughs) I'm surprised Adam doesn't own it. Like, I wish I was in my basement right now. I have a bootleg copy of it, but like Adam owns everything. So I was expecting him (laughs) to hold it up. 
I definitely saw it at a convention once, but I just didn't grab it because at the time it was on YouTube. I was like, oh, I'll never have to worry about it. It's already up. Somebody uploaded it. So oh, I should have learned my lesson. What did we <laughs> learn here, kids? You can't trust streaming. Physical media forever. Yes. Right. Or rip it if you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to jump into Willie Lumpkin's mailbag. So this reader, Chris Ruddick from Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. It's actually pronounced Regina. Of course it is. I'm telling you the truth. It's pronounced Regina. That's where Tatiana Maslany's from. It's pronounced Regina. Okay. Well, sorry to hear that. Jim. I was reading the fine print on the side of an old Marvel superheroes puzzle and noticed the phrase superheroes is a registered trademark jointly owned by the Marvel Comics Group and DC Comics Inc. Does this mean the term superhero can only be used by those two companies? It's a good question. Interesting. In that form, yes, DC and Marvel co-hold the trademark for superhero with a capital H and a dash. Near as my research turns up, they were using the term simultaneously for so long, neither could lay claim to it as their own. What's this mean? Well, legally speaking, companies like Image, Dark Horse, and Sirius cannot refer to any of their characters as a superhero. Of course, they can refer to themselves as superheroes all the live long day. And that's what we do here at Wizard. We use generic term superhero, even when referring to Marvel and DC characters. I thought that was kind of an interesting little factoid. I didn't know that there was a hyphen, you know, capital H gobbledygook, but thought it was interesting. So Yeah, that's fascinating. And I'd be curious to know, I assume that still stands for both of them. It's kind of like the Marvel versus DC, like the amalgam characters or whatever that they jointly own. They jointly own that together. I did want to mention something really quick here though there's a letter just right before that one he says while reading some older comics i came across the dc versus marvel marvel versus dc miniseries from 1996 since there were only two months between the release of one and three and readers got to vote on the outcome of five battles i got to wondering how did they print the battles in so little time did they make two different outcomes and then just print the one that got the most votes if this is the case how could i possibly see the pages that never made it but while reading some older comics yeah. This is 1998. This was 1996. This is not old. This is not an older comic. It was just, <laughs> that, was my, that was my first thought. He's writing like, in with an email. You know, it's just like, it's like, this is a newfangled kid. He doesn't know about this comic. But that years. email, worldnet.att.net. That's about as close to netscape.net as you're going to get. <laughs> But speaking of that question, just so you know, they, they do say that, yes, that is what happened. And they, they had both outcomes penciled and ready to go. So it's kind huh. of funny that that was a real thing that existed somewhere out there. Claudio Castellini, they say the artist of that and Dan Jurgens, they have those pages. So hmm. Lobo beat Wolverine and all that kind of stuff. All right. I guess it's my turn, Michael. Sure, go for it. Yeah, why not? All right, well, I'm going to take us into some... Wizard News! 
All right. So there was an interesting piece here because last episode, we talked about some troubling news for Awesome Entertainment. And Awesome Entertainment uh, had to cancel their contracts with all these artists and writers that they had on their payroll. And so most of those people had come out saying, oh, I'm working with Alan Moore. I'm so excited. It's going to be the best work of my life. Or they said like, hey, you know, I've got some really great ideas. They're making action figures of my characters and all these things. And now all their stuff is canceled. So Wizard has this thing called Where the Awesome Boys Are. It says Awesome Entertainment had done an amazing job assembling talent before last month's announcement that had lost funding and was forced to suspend all but three books, The Coven, Menace, and Rejects. As Awesome looks to resurrect more titles in its line, here's what some of its recruits may do. And if you guys want to pull up this chart and you want to read along with me, we can just take some turns here. It has the name, their former plan, their current plan. Plan, and then a quote from that individual. So starting out with Jeff Matsuda. So he was penciling and co-writing Kaboom. His current plan, possibly penciling Wolverine, possibly penciling Tales of the Darkness. Quote, I told Top Cow that if possible, I wanted to have Jeff Loeb writing and John Seaball inking with me, just like on Kaboom. They seem open to that on Tales of the Darkness. So there you go. He's trying to keep the team together, keep a job for everybody. Michael, why don't you take the next one? So Ed McGinnis, penciling fighting American rules of the game. I'm thinking about sticking at Marvel. We're looking at where they want me and where I'd fit in. Okay. And how, how far away is he from his Hulk run here? Cause it was pretty, that was like his next thing, right? It's gotta be either late 99 or early, early 2000. Yeah, Cause I know he's got a cover of wizard of, of, you know, his Hulk pretty soon here. So, all right, Steven, how about Alan Moore? Alan Moore, former plan, writing Glory, Supreme, and Youngblood. Current plan, up in the air. Moore is negotiating to start a small line of three books at Wildstorm Productions. His quote says, there was a certain amount of energy at Awesome. I was excited, and so were the artists. I don't want to carry over ideas or characters. That was then, but I'd like to carry on that energy. Interesting. So that was ABC, right? America's Best Comics that he launches next, I think. That's cool. It's it's still boggles my mind that alan moore wrote for young blood and supreme <laughs> and was gonna write glory yeah everybody's got bills to pay <laughs> i guess yep. so right <laughs> yeah that's the truth all right well how about the next one brandon peterson former plan penciling glory current plan penciling a fill-in issue of X-Men 80 to be followed by a probable X-Men miniseries. His quote was, I'd love to do glory with Alan Moore if I can come back. There's lots of things still up in the air. And this is interesting to me because I remember this era. Like this was around Operation Zero Tolerance and the X-Men books. Well, in adjectiveless X-Men while Uncanny were in space. And this was the Carlos Pacheco run. So Peterson just kind of popped in and popped out. He'll come back later on around like 99 to 100 but he doesn't really make much of a mark in that book right now yeah and they even said like there was a previous report where he was saying like marvel contacted me about you know taking over x-men but i decided to do glory with alan moore and it's just like ah you backed the wrong horse buddy (laughs) 
Next up here, Alex Ross. Yes, he was doing covers over at Awesome. This is really interesting. So his former plan was painting covers for Supreme. Then his current plan was business as usual. Ross continues on Superman Peace on Earth one shot for DC Comics. He had plenty of stuff in the pipeline. But he says, quote, I have a desperate need to read Supreme. I don't want to see my favorite comic die. If it can survive, I want to do whatever it takes to help it along. So that's pretty awesome. Like that he loved it so much. That's why he was you know, doing the covers for it and here he is you know just going to bat please please supreme did ever anybody ever buy supreme and put it in another company i know i'm pretty sure yeah rob liefeld held on to that i don't know if it ever came back who is that are you guys allowed to say his name again is that is that bit still going <laughs> the statute of limitations is up <laughs> oh that bit's dead you killed the bit we killed the bit man he was coming uh, up too often with awesome entertainment so we had to we couldn't afford it yeah <laughs> Dang it. okay never mind sorry that's okay. Steve Scroach, formerly penciling Youngblood, current plan is possibly penciling the new Gambit ongoing at Marvel. The only thing I've talked about at Marvel is the, the contract aspect, but I'm still in the deciding phase. Yes, I'm so desirable that I have the power to decide if I want to work at Marvel or not. I did two issues with Alan Moore. I'm marketable. Come on. (laughs) He actually had bargaining power at this point. The funny thing about Steve Scrooge is we don't think of him as a household name, but he did the storyboards for The Matrix. Like a lot of the visuals for The Matrix are him. And this is about the time when he would be deciding to take that on. So he might not be Jack Kirby, but he's still got some money in the bank. (laughs) Good deal, yeah. All right, why don't you close this out, Stephen? So Jim Starlin, former plan writing the four-issue Fighting American Dogs of War current plan business as usual starlin continues on hardcore station for dc i've never heard of that uh quote i wrote three issues of american and got paid for every page so i'm in good shape i know it's been partially drawn and looks great i'm hoping it can be published it's a story i really want to tell wow hey at least rob paid him you know the money came through you gotta love jim starlin though because if times get hard he'll just write thanos takes a bath you know (laughs) he just goes back to that well yeah Uh, all right well I'm, i'm done with my little wizard news segment here so michael what do you want to talk about so i'm gonna go to batman enters no man's land the post-earthquake gotham goes from bad to worse think things couldn't get any worse for gotham city following catechism think again come january batman detective comics and batman shadow the bat embark on a one year long no man's land story destined to change the face of gotham and the bat books forever overall idea as proposed by jordan gorfinkel dc associate editor is that due to crime the clench plague Gotham is in chaos. So I have a love-hate for No Man's Land. There are certain things about it I absolutely love. Do I think I needed to run for an entire year and engulf every Batman comic? No, I don't think it needed to go that long. I do love the elements of when Huntress puts on a bat suit for a little while before Cassandra Cain becomes 
Batgirl. I'm kind of curious. What are your guys' thoughts on No Man's Land? If if you read it or not, and you know, where do you, what's your take? Well, on I could give you my thoughts on the Clench Plague because that that sounds like uh, somebody spent a lot of time in the bathroom. That's you need a gastroenterologist. Uh, yeah. oh. <laughs> All right. Uh. God, terrible. Terrible. <clears throat> uh, you know, I've never read it. I know that Dark Knight Rises kind of lifts from it. Is that true? Oh yeah, a lot of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also, there's actually a novelization of it as well, which I bought and didn't get through the third chapter. It's like, this is so boring. Okay. Same okay. here. And I think it's Rucka. Like, I yes. think he wrote the novelization. Yes, like, it is Rucka, yeah. I'll jump in and say, I love No Man's Land. I put No Man's Land just because of where I was in my, like, collecting. It's up there with Age of Apocalypse for me. I know that's also a polarizing story, but both of them come down to the fact that you couldn't pull them off today. There was no internet. There wasn't a network where people could leak things like they do now. Mm -hmm. Like if you tried to do something like that, some retailer wanting to stick it to Diamond or Lunar or Penguin or whoever is going to put it out there on Reddit and then you're not going to get shocked. Like with Age of Apocalypse, we thought X-Men books were done. (laughs) You know, like we didn't know until previews came out like, oh, they're coming back. But that was like three months later. Like Mm -hmm. for all we knew, wow, like after like 30 years they're ending the x-men books and same with no man's land where the bat books just kept amping up to this like you got to think of everything batman had been through to get here it's like there was the plague there was Mm. the earthquake then the government cuts gotham off from the rest of the country and people have to survive through that like i understand it didn't need to be a year but i did appreciate the all-in nature because you have too many events where it's like wolverine's in hell well in his own book wolverine's eating ice cream in Canada. Like, (laughs) every Bat book was affected by No Man's Land. They were all trapped in Gotham trying to figure out the new normal. I love the tone of it. I love that, like, Batman can't swing from rooftops when this part of the city is demolished. Like, it just, it was about fixing on fail and survival. And you really didn't get that kind of story with, like, a character who sells lunch boxes. Like it was a big stretch for a licensed character with that profile. Like you might do it for like Resurrection Man or some like third tier DC character. But... Careful, that's Adam's favorite guy. <laughs> <laughs> but like, okay, Starman. <laughs> but like he also loves just... Starman. <laughs> <laughs> the crappy one, not the leather jacket wear. Uh, okay, the blue one. <laughs> just just go, go after yeah. the Ray next. Go after the Ray. <laughs> right, right, right. But I mean, the fact that like it kept building on itself, it culminates in No Man's Land. But also, there's like a rebirth after it. Like we're so used to when you have these soft reboots, they are universe wide these days because it sells more books. But like Batman, just that group had a new beginning. You got Gotham Knights spinning out of that, which was a series that was really just about Batman's effect on the people in Gotham City. It wasn't really about Batman. It was more like, here's an issue about a family walking down the street and they happen to have their lives saved by this thing that jumped out of the shadows and how they go home and talk about like, was that Batman? Well, Batman's not real. You know, like it was really psychological and I felt that it gave them a clean 
slate to spin off in different directions for the characters. Like they they left No Man's Land with a clear plan. It's like, okay, Cassandra Kane is going to take over what Huntress started to do in No Man's Land, and that's going to be her identity. Mm-hmm. And then Nightwing is going to establish himself in Bloodhaven and stay there, and he's not really going to pop back to Gotham unless he really, really has to. Like, everybody left that set up for the next, like, five years. It wasn't until you got to maybe Bruce Wayne murderer where uh, things started, please. like, going off the rails again. Don't but get me like, started on that. Oh, we'll get there eventually yeah. in the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I want to say, though, the craziest thing about going on for this long, because they say we're not looking at 1999 as 12 issues of Batman. We're looking at it as 36 issues and all this stuff. But they had done this moratorium type thing on any type of crossover, like all the titles crossover. They're like, we're not going to do that anymore. Everything will be done within three issues or whatever. And it felt like that was they were so pent up. Like They're like, we got to go all in and then they just couldn't stop they were off the wagon you know finally and they're like we gotta go for it so this right. is yeah, their bender <laughs> i mean listen it is a very ambitious story i wish it was six months instead of a year personally it kind of feels like that what they did with like blackest night years later where everything revolves around blackest night in like all 52 titles or whatever it was just like too much i loved it but it's too much but yeah that's just kind of my my thoughts on it but there's a lot of cool stuff that comes out of it that if still kind of referenced today and like you said the Dark Knight Rises kind of rips right from the pages of yeah. it in a lot of cases uh, for better or worse. I'm looking at this page and right next to this No Man's Land article is a large advertisement for the music from the X Games Volume 3 <laughs> CD <laughs> which if you didn't know what year this magazine was from you would know right away like the <laughs> bands the Mighty Mighty Bostones, Fat Boy Slim Pennywise. 311 yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, the Crystal Murphy. Method. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just really funny to see that next to like this grim Batman story. (laughs) And in that section, the contest winners, I was going to point out the winner of the Orlando Megacon contest is from Levittown, New York on Long Island. There you go. (laughs) A town which neighbored my hometown and where I work at the movie theater. So just wanted to give a little shout out to Long Island there. I'd like to piggyback on that because I was going to bring her up too. Not only is she from Long Island, she's still in Long Island and she's a realtor. <laughs> of course she is. Uh, of course, course she is. She, is. Uh, she has course. over 40 years experience. Yes, I am a private detective. <laughs> she is still in, on Long Island. People rarely leave. <laughs> you somehow made it out alive, Steve. No, so for now, for now. <laughs> well, speaking of that, I'm going to throw it to you, Stephen. What do you got? Well, the section that interested me was the casting call for a Deadpool movie. Ooh, interesting. Now, who do you think they would cast as Deadpool? All right, I'm not gonna. Game? I'm not gonna look. It's 98. Who's your Deadpool? I'm gonna say it's like Woody Harrelson. That's what I would say. That's a great that choice. Was be my yeah. choice. That's a great choice. <laughs> 98. Woody, yeah, he would have been great. Because you know, you just had um, Natural Born Killers and stuff like that coming yeah. out around this time. Yeah. So no, that's a great choice. 
That is not who they chose, though. Oh, God. <laughs> Henry Rollins. Henry oh. Rollins. How is who? Rollins, man, not on that X Games soundtrack? Come on. That's true, yeah. <laughs> I love Henry Rollins. Great, it just don't see him as Deadpool. Well, like no. what what movies he was in? Heat in a very small role. He was in uh, what what's that movie? The one with Charlie Sheen where he's in with uh, the, chase. the Chase. The Chase. Oh, that yeah, he's I, I love that movie. Cop. I love that, the Chase. It's, it's a terrible movie. It's, it's fantastic. But he wasn't an actor per se. He was not an actor. No, yeah. he was. It was a personality. He's yeah. playing himself basically. <laughs> the Red Hot Chili Peppers were in Chase also. <laughs> Good point. And yeah, yeah. Flea and, and Anthony, yeah. Flea, Flea's great. He's in Giant Mnemonic, it looks like, and Lost Highway. Okay. So he Get did Rollins fix wherever you can. Uh, Lost Highway is a good movie. But like, here's the funny thing about this casting call, besides for Henry Rollins, like, are any of these characters in this movie? Well, Blind did, Alfred is. Well, other, I mean, that and like Typhoid Mary, I think none of them really exist in Marvel anymore, like at all, like none. It's so weird. Well, I mean, and so like, it is interesting to look because, you know, obviously we know who got cast. Dr. Kilbrew, I have no idea, the scientist, but it's a big fat guy with a mustache. So it's Wilford Brimley, right? Which is <laughs> just He's get him great. like him. We love him. But Guy Pierce as Weasel, okay, mm. he does have the look. Like he matches like facial structure of this character. I mean, Memento, he's amazing in. Right. Well, but, uh, what's interesting about Wizards casting is so we have Nicole Eggert as Expediter, who was uh, coming off what, like Blown Away, the Corey's movie? Well, Baywatch. She was on Baywatch. Baywatch. Yeah. And, Baywatch so, and I love Baywatch. Yeah. And then you've got Chris Jericho as T-Ray. But in between that, Kate Winslet as Siren. <laughs> Kate Winslet coming off Titanic. <laughs> Is going to be in a Nicole Eggert, Chris Jericho movie. Henry Rollins movie. Henry Rollins, yeah. Henry (laughs) Rollins is the lead. She'll never happen. It just boggles the mind that this was their thinking. Well, I'm glad they found a spot for Michael Jeter. I don't know who Patch is, but I love Michael Jeter and anything. Even he kind of saved uh, Jurassic Park 3 for me. You know, Michael Jeter, (laughs) that he's he's kind of fun. Not not going to save that movie. No, no, that's that, that's a stinker. Uh, the Rollins thing, there's yeah. a precedent though for the Rollins thing because you know Wizard has that whole thing of like we're gonna throw in the monkey wrench of a rocker you haven't heard of because you know everybody grew up with the whole like who the hell is Danzig? Yeah, but according to them, that was the perfect choice for Wolverine in 1996. <laughs> so it's kind of along those lines because I mean I didn't know Rollins at this point in my life, so I had the same reaction is when I saw Danzig. Yeah, just so fascinating. When we put this on social media, I'm very curious to get everybody's reactions, you know, just to this whole idea because, yeah, like knowing how popular that movie became and seeing what they thought at the time, the best you could do (laughs) to get a Deadpool (laughs) movie cast. All right, who are you throwing to, Steven? I'll throw to Mr. West. Okay, this doesn't really fall into a hitting, so I don't have like a little sound effect to say, but this like this really stood out to me in that they did a thumbs up, thumbs down portion. And one of the things they did in thumbs down was how Marvel manga, which was an umbrella of miniseries in the late 90s, there was the Marvel manga verse where there was like Spider-Man the manga and X-Men the manga. Well, they're saying here that 
Each of those books costs a hefty $2.99 each. They said that's for reprinted artwork from Japan. And they put a little stank on Japan, like that's supposed to affect the price there. But they said it's in black and white. They said a $2.99 price tag screams ripoff on either side of the Pacific. And it just kind of jumped out to me in that now Marvel is charging $9.99 for certain issues. There's a comic that comes out tomorrow that is Mm. $9.99. It's not an annual. It's not an anniversary book. It is the first part of a miniseries. So it's just funny how times have changed, but they're they're still gouging us regardless of the era. Yeah. And I do think it's funny underneath that one, though. They talk about this is something I don't, they didn't report on at all, and now they're just like throwing throwing some uh, shade on Jim Valentino. They say, good intentions aside, if Image partner Jim Valentino's decision to publish 19 small press books in Image was a classic case of biting off more than one man could chew. Now that Valentino's tanked the line, many of these small press books may end. At the least, 19 creators are without a publisher and perhaps a comic's future. It's like, oh, Jim Valentino, you just destroyed the careers of all these small press people that you gave the spotlight to. It's just like, man, there's no, even if you got like one or two issues published, through image that was enough to like build a fan base for your book that nobody would have seen otherwise so what are you doing wizard come on (laughs) exactly i i felt the same way reading that because that was routine back in that day of like i'm taking it to image and they wouldn't start over it wouldn't be like a new number one it's like we're just gonna keep publishing where we were and then a year later they're back to self-publishing but because of like goosing the numbers more people knew what strangers in paradise was more Mm. people knew what Geeksville was, you know? It was just like this little temporary injection of promotion. I think Image did what it needed to do. So, I don't know. I have a lot of opinions about that because I worked with the small press publishers with Diamond, but Image wasn't in the wrong here. All right, who you throwing to, Will? I'm throwing to you because even though you just said that, you you haven't really had spotlight in a few minutes. So. All right. Well, thank you. I do love that spotlight. You know, <laughs> let's get it just right. Let me get you a good angle. But no, so I'm going to go to our table of contents. This is the wizard Q&A with John Byrne, who John Byrne was back in a big way at this point. John Byrne, Chris Claremont, they were bringing back like all their classic writers, you know, that they trusted at Marvel. They were just going backwards. Did they have used a tighter lens on him. <laughs> Two cl- I mean, he's got a great complexion, you gotta say, you know? They're gonna be that up on him. I bet they didn't put any makeup on. He was just looking good. <laughs> it's up there. It's right in his face. It's so weird. <laughs> so most of this is talking to him about what he's gonna be doing with this Spider-Man Twice Told Tales, which became Spider-Man Chapter One. They ask now, what about your whole internet brouhaha with Kurt Busick? He made a crack about how some of the Spider-Man bridge material he wrote is, quote, gonna get Man of Steeled right out of here. <laughs> to which Bird responds, quote, well, every once in a while, I'll discover somebody whose buttons are particularly easy to push, and I'll do it. Because I'm that kind of guy. But the thing is, the mandate I've been handed by Marvel is... John, you are God now. You get to pick what's real and what isn't. Kurt had done a continuation of Amazing Fantasy with stories that took place between the last panel of Amazing Fantasy number 15 and the first panel of Amazing Spider-Man number one. And for me, there's no gap there. So it's it's just difference of opinion, right? He's like, well, it picks up 
immediately after that. And then he's like, everything Kurt did was nonsense and I'm going to let him know. And I just, I just the pettiness of John Byrne picking fights where he didn't need to pick fights. <laughs> Cracks me up. If he, but he's given that amount of power, right? That's John Byrne for you. I personal story. I have a website. I've been doing it for 20 years. It's a ranky dink vanity project blog. Hmm. But my highest traffic was one day I was linked by NPR with their podcast called Code Switch. And it was because many moons ago, we'll say like 2005, I linked to something Burns said on his own message board. Like his message board was notorious. Yeah. It's, it's not up anymore. But he would have been canceled 87 times by now. <laughs> and the thing that I linked to was when they announced the casting to the Fantastic Four movie, the very first one. And someone asked, well, what do you think about this, Mr. Byrne? And he said, well, I don't really like the casting of Jessica Alba because to me, blonde wigs on Latinas just remind me of prostitute. Damage and control. Damage And that NPR caught wind of, and I had over a thousand hits in a day. <laughs> but like, so that's my John Byrne legacy. But it's just sort of like this interview, you know what to expect from a John Byrne interview, but at the same time, you have no clue what to expect from a John Byrne interview. Yeah, wow. like it, it started in, in his letters column in Next Men. He had like the like really like extensive letters column where he would do these big diatribes. And yeah, as soon as the internet became a thing, then he was jumping on that. But the thing, since this is the first time we've heard from John Byrne in a long time, I do want to mention here, they also ask, let's talk for a minute about Legend, the creator-based imprint. Frank Miller, you, and others organized at Dark Horse. What's its status right now. Burn quotes fellow comics pro Joe Duffy, who said, quote, it didn't take long for legend to turn into a myth. <laughs> Which is pretty great. Joe Dad Duffy. joke right there. Yeah. He did the Mr. Roper look into the camera right after he <laughs> said that. As she goes on, he says, it was a good idea, an imprint within a larger company, so the larger company buffers the imprint. It just didn't quite work. It turned into exactly what I was afraid it was going to, which was a bunch of announced books that never came out. And they say, so is it no longer a going concern? Well, I know Frank's not using the icon anymore. I don't think Mike Mignola is, and uh, I know if I ever do Next Man again, I'm not going to use it, so pfft. The single greatest blow to legend, I think, was when I stopped producing my stuff on a monthly basis. Suddenly you had Sin City and Hellboy coming out every once in a while and nothing else. Say lovey. <laughs> <laughs> He was keeping that imprint afloat with Next Men and Babe. I don't think so. <laughs> as much as I love those books, I don't think people were buying them. He was whining. It, he had a column in Wizards Trade Publication, Entertainment Retailing. And there's like letters like for months of people responding. When John Byrne called out retailers for not ordering enough of his book, that's just sour grapes. And everybody's like mad at him because he was like, nobody's buying my stuff because they're idiots and they don't know what's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. He's, his revisionist history here. Yeah. <laughs>
Hey geeks, it's time to take a break from this episode to tell you about our sponsor, HalloweenCostumes.com, and the great selection of costumes available, plus how you can get 15% off your entire order by using the link in our show notes. Now, the clock is ticking, and I still haven't decided what I'm going to be for Halloween this year. I was browsing the HalloweenCostumes.com site today. I found out they have a full-on Peacemaker costume. I'm still waiting for a Season 2 announcement on that show. And their Ant-Man costume looks pretty sweet. My wife loves Paul Rudd so I probably could please her with that one. Uh, they also have a plethora of Robin costumes from Burt Ward to 90s animated series Dick Grayson or comics accurate Tim Drake. You can find your flavor of Boy Wonder. Their Shazam movie and comic book costumes are truly impressive as well. For the ladies, they have some fun stuff like they have exclusive She-Hulk and RC from Transformers costumes. They got Powerpuff Girls. They got Jessica Drew Spider-Woman and a Shuri Black Panther costume. If you need couples ideas, I noticed Adam West Batman and Julie Newmore Catwoman costumes that look fantastic. They also have all the Incredibles. If you're looking forward to the new movie, there's a Jason Momoa Aquaman and Mira costume combo you can do. Of course, there's so much more to choose from, including cartoon and movie icons, video game heroes, and more. So I can't make up my mind. I'm sure you will be more decisive than me. Just follow the link in our show notes today to get 15% off your entire order at Halloween Costumes. Costumes.com between now and October 31st. And hey, let's get back to the show. All right, so I got one now. Buckle up for this, fellas. Hold on to your butts. Pose <laughs> of the world, spice up your life. Every boy and every girl, spice up your life. People of the world, spice up your life. Ah, uh, Spice Girls. Yeah. You're wow. welcome. I've been building that one up for a little while. I thought all of you would avoid this one because I, way back when we what? did a comic book crushes thing that we never will be released. It was okay. our old Patreon. Yeah. Michael and Steven said, never, never. And now here we are. We're going to talk about these babes. So <laughs> Wizard ranks comics top 10 sexiest women. I'm not even going to go into the list because I don't really care all that much. All I want to comment on is how bad the art is yes. on all these characters. What? And each character is more badly drawn than the next. <laughs> and it's really, really terrible. And the number one person they have on the list is probably the worst drawn of them all. Actually, one and two are the worst. Like, I don't know who they got for this. It's it, They said the guy's name, and I don't want to, you know, insult. So, well, well, Michael, this is the artist behind Dawn. And you've talked about Dawn comics in the and past. I, and I love Dawn. Yeah. I think Dawn is beautifully drawn. But this is not the same caliber as that at all. It's so bad. It's like, you could have gotten anybody to draw the sexiest women in comics and... These are the worst drawn <laughs> women in comics. If you ask me, it's just not good. The problem with that artist, and I'm also not going to say his name because I kind of knew him and he's contentious, um, is that he's kind of like J. Scott Campbell, whose name I will say is <laughs> that he can draw one woman really well. And then if he needs to draw anything else, he changes the hair. And what he did here was he did not draw that one woman. He actually tried to draw something else. And we just come back to realizing he's good at that one woman. And, he tried. And that's the thing. Dawn is the only good looking one that's drawn. 
in this exactly. whole 10. Everything else is just not good. Not Can good we at all. talk about the list though? Because the list is wrong. Like I was saying this was peak <laughs> oh. cringe wizard. Yeah, like this is, this is, this is what is wrong. they would soon become. Like this is just a yeah. taste of what they're gonna look like in like 04. But like <laughs> this list is horrible. <laughs> horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, all right, I'll, I'll run down the list. So 10 oh, is Psylocke, um, and it's a bad drawing of Psylocke. Nine is Rainmaker, who regularly appears in Gen 13. It's not even like the more well-known characters in Gen 13. That's a, you know, number eight is Mystique, and it's a terrible drawing of Mystique. It's almost purple and not blue, which is kind of a, a, annoying. Seven is Witchblade, and it's a hideous. It almost looks like if Witchblade and Barbed Wire had a baby together. <laughs> And what it looks like number six is Storm, and I just don't like the way that this Storm is drawn at all. Five is She-Hulk, four is Tigra, three is Dawn, two is Vampirella with a really bad beehive and bangs that just doesn't look right. And number one is the worst looking Catwoman drawing I've ever seen <laughs> in 41 years of my life. She looks like the Legends of Batman action figure. Yeah. <laughs> like that same terrible sculpt. It's, it's like awful. They did the Jim Ballant design, but didn't go to Jim Ballant. Like that's yeah. such a slap in the face. But I do give him credit for agreeing to allow Dawn to just be number three. Because with everything else that sucks here, he could have fought for her to be in the top two yeah. so like I'll, I'll give him humility for that and dawn's also the most clothed if you will now i i do want to mention one thing uh all of the commentary is not okay like this whole thing that the commentary they put on each character is all kinds of you know damage control so i'm not going to read them yeah I'm no read the most inoffensive one though for she hulk because it just it so matches what disney plus did ultimately because it says throw a gamma bomb at tv's ally mcbeal and you'd either get a lawsuit or a she hulk and that's basically what it is, right? That's what they were going for with the Disney Plus series. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. I will say, I'll stay away from the damage control. I'll stay away from the <laughs> ground zero. But the Rainmaker one hurts me to my soul because she is like the fifth one in Gen 13. Yeah. Like I'm talking about you go to grunge and burnout before you get to Rainmaker. <laughs> but but it shows Wizard knew their audience because they cling to the chasing Amy aspect of that character. And like they know they've got some Kevin Smith fans buying this thing. They know some of them have probably had a crush on a lesbian at some point in time in the 90s and that's why they chose her so i was like i i get the politics here but your list is garbage i yeah. also think maybe it's you know it, is rainmaker like a native american character yeah definitely. that might be part of it too you know but yeah, there's some I, diversity on the list, so you got to give them you know, some thumbs up for I, that. I, yeah. I just, I just needed to touch on this list. We can move on, but I just was like, yeah, you, can't, you, you know, you can't say one thing and have the worst drawn characters I've ever seen. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. This all is right. only going to patrons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. What are you throwing so, to, Michael? I'm going to throw it to Will. I'm curious what he's got next. <laughs> so the next thing I wanted to focus on, and this is a quickie, but last man standing, because I think it is important to Wizard from the standpoint of like, that is comic fan 101. Could Batman beat Captain America? Could Superman beat the Hulk? And like, after you go through that tier, then you got to get down to like brass tacks of like, can Nightwing beat 
a male man. I don't <laughs> Bucky. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So like here we have Sabretooth versus Bane. And I see how this was considered an equal matchup at this time. But looking at it now, I'm like, it's Sabretooth. Like, Bane is just a luchador with a drug dependency. Like, it's completely Sabretooth. But... In this this era, like this was going to be the back and forth in the schoolyard. So considering it's obvious to me, I want to know what you guys think of this matchup. Who would win in Sabretooth versus Bane? Bane. Uh, I, disagree. I disagree. And I'll tell you why. I think because Sabretooth could claw away the Venom tubes real quick. Mm. That's the first thing. And Sabretooth in a lot of ways is similar to Wolverine where he's theoretically unkillable i don't want to say invulnerable but almost unkillable so uh, you know i just think that there's kind of like a a, a saber tooth kind of has an advantage over it i think bane is more of a tactician could figure out ways to take him down but be not win in the end yeah to me it comes down to the scenario of their showdown <laughs> because if they just ran into each other and then a fight erupts then yeah it's saber tooth because like they say here he can outlast bane ultimately but if bane was coming for saber Tooth. If Bane had a plan to take down Sabretooth, he would win. Like he would figure out how to like slow down something to do with his healing factor. Like he would know all the angles. And so, but but I think in this case, if it's just like, hey, we're fighting now, yeah, I gotta go with their choice of Sabretooth. Okay, okay. I, I see all of that. And it's kind of like the show doctor segment of our other podcast. Remember that show? Where <laughs> using knowledge I have today and applying it to that era, I I didn't realize until recently that Sabretooth didn't have adamantium. I just kind of thought it was like a Weapon X, like, welcome gift. Like, here's your adamantium. <laughs> Go kill in the name of Canada. You know, but he didn't have it. So with that in mind, and if you have lead time, it is Bane. But if, like, it's just a brawl in a bar somewhere, I'm going Sabretooth. So, see? Nuanced. It wasn't just... <laughs> That's fair. That's a very fair answer. But I want to toss it to Steven. There's two things that caught my eye. I'm going to start with the, uh, I guess it's in the table of contents, the video stuff category. So obviously my wife is a huge X-Files fan and I see a section titled Expect the X-Files. The show and featured film aren't enough for fans. So the X-Files will be hitting Windows 95 and Macintosh computers this summer with the Fox Interactive game. Now we have this in our home. Like this is part, like my wife doesn't really collect a lot of stuff, but she has all of her old X-Files stuff. And this game is in our downstairs area. It's called Unrestricted Access. And I kind of want to get a CD-ROM drive and play it right now. <laughs> and the other thing here is the Game Boy camera. Do you guys remember remember this? Oh, I yeah. do remember you, the Game Boy camera, yeah. Where you could hook a camera up to your Game Boy and it would take terrible pictures. Yes. Less than one megapixel camera. Just it was crazy. The, game Boy was way ahead of its time. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Game Gear kind of ate its lunch, but also ate your batteries, you know? Right, right, right. It also had Surf Ninjas, which was a huge deal. Oh, yeah. Uh, But then if we go to the action figure section, Snoochie Boochies, they released Jay and Silent Bob action figures. Now, did you guys have these? Oh, no, No. not at all. I, I, I didn't get into Clerks and Kevin Smith till like years later, so I had no idea. They were really expensive. They were $25 each in 98. Which is which uh, is average price now, scary enough. Yeah, that's true. And like I remember 
my local comic book store did not have them a muck time, but a video store near me did in Levittown, New York. Funnily enough, I'm going to a muck in, a, in about a week or so. Actually, funny enough. Wait, where where are you going to a muck? The location. It's still like a small little warehousey kind of thing. No, that closed down. Did it really? No. Yeah, like, it closed down like a year ago. We were no. about to get some footage of Michael outside a warehouse. <laughs> no, like six months ago. No, they they be, they just moved to Pennsylvania. They Damn. combined with another store. Yeah, no, they're no longer there. Oh, that's a bummer. Well, I got to find another place to go. <laughs> yeah. My, my friend so, wants to go hunting for uh, WWF action figures. So I was going to bring them over there if they had it. But I'll find somewhere else to go. Wh- which ones? The Hasbros or something else? Th- that was like you collect. Same ones. Yeah, yeah. He should go to the Wrestling Universe store in uh, Queens. Unctuous, fantastically infunctious. Nickel beers and hockey games. The chicken wings are scrumptious. You need to change the tire when the rubber gets soft. We don't shirk responsibilities. No, that's, that's why we're going off. But anyway, <laughs> side note. So the funny thing about these figures is Jay talks. Like you can push the button and Jay talks. Silent Bob has a button and he doesn't talk. So like you spent the same amount of money, 25 bucks for Jay or Silent Bob. And Silent Bob just does nothing. That's awesome. <laughs> they stuck with this gimmick, you know, you gotta, gotta hang on to it. That's awesome, man. I guess so. It doesn't make much sense. It really doesn't make, make the figure worth your 25 bucks, but there it is. I will say what I did have from this section, though, this being promoted are those Kiss Psycho Circus action figures. I bought them all in the box. I just bought two boxes because you could only fit two in each because they were so big. They were two packs. So I just had the sealed boxes that I brought home. And years later, I sold them because I'm gearing up to go to a Kiss concert in November. And every time I go to a Kiss concert, I fund it by selling off some Kiss collectibles. (laughs) So that's how I justify. Hey, I I paid for it, dear. You know, so I sold them off. Is, yeah. is Ghost in the Machine like the same as Ghost in the Shell or is it two different things? I'm not really sure. Ghost in the Machine, where are you seeing that? So it's right below Jay and Silent Bob's action oh. figures. I think no, no, that's that that's Ghost from Dark Horse from Comics Greatest World. It's not called Ghost in the Machine. They're just using that phrase. Oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. I was I was like, I've never heard of that thing. Okay. Never mind. I digress. I'll throw it to you, Adam. Okay. All right, real quick. I'm gonna go back to our table of contents. Oh because goodness. The one thing we did discuss, we talked all about the covers up top, but this issue came packed with a bunch of fun things, right? Like, hey, how about this little catalog where you can order scantily clad action figures? That's right, from anotheruniverse.com. Witchblade, you can order a Fathom comic. There was all sorts of stuff in there. They had a Dark Child. Oh, bring it back, Dark Child. Poster, of course, backed by a Brian Douglas Ahern calendar for the month of July. So very fun there. But the big thing that a lot of people remember, I know that people have, uh, you know, reached out to us on social media before, is the X-Men Diploma, the Xavier Institute for Higher Learning. And a lot, you know, they had done their Avengers ID cards and their JLA ID cards, and now this, where you could actually write your name in, and then it said, has met the requirements for graduation in this school by satisfactorily completing an approved four-year course, and has awarded this diploma, given at Salem Center, New York, this month in June, one thousand. 998 and so it's signed by charles xavier the commissioner of education i just i can't quite make out who that is supposed to be president board of education is like matthew green i don't know what that is so we'll have to post this online and all you super uh x-men fans can tell us who those signatures are supposed to be that's just a piece of wizard paraphernalia a lot of people mention also there was a mail away offer for a wizard half issue which was a spider-man half issue Oh, 
very cool. They had a they had a special edition and they had a you know regular edition, a special edition, and they both though had Spider-Man 2099. So of course I was very excited. But they also this one here has Spider-Man. What is he 2025 or something like that? Like in the Spider-Man uh 2099 Spider-Man crossover comic, there's this one more Spider-Man who comes to save the day at the end, and they put him on the cover for some reason. So I haven't read his side, but there's black costume of Spider-Man. It's just it's kind of a Spider-Verse before the Spider-Verse as presented in that half issue. So I just wanted to bring that up because lots of fun stuff packed in with this one. All right, Michael, throw it to you. I want to go actually to the art contest. And this is the DC Summer Fun Art Contest. And I want to discuss the art that they're advertising because (laughs) they've got clone Superboy of the Reign of Superman wearing a Superman Speedo. (laughs) And the S is in a very precarious position <laughs> to say the oh. least and the people and below him they are shocked to see i can't that. i yeah. can't tell if he's flying over them or he's hopped off the wave and you've got like long-haired superman kind of in the shadows in the background i assume and like they couldn't maybe they couldn't get the rights to do superman and superboy on the same page that's why they kind of blacked him out a little bit but it just a very weird piece of art that is very strange. You guys need Wizards After Dark just for like <laughs> patrons because there's a lot of discussion here. I mean, he's a clone. He's a clone of Superman and Lex Luthor. So which direction did they go with for that? And yeah, anyway, just think about that. So bad fiction for sure. Yeah. Here's what the contest says how to enter. It's simple, really. Just take any summertime activity hanging at the beach, barbecuing, playing kickball, and draw your favorite DC hero or villain busy doing said activity, like, oh, Doomsday working the grill at a supervillain barbecue, or Black Racer building a sandcastle, and Huntress and Nightwing sunbathing. You get the picture. It's just nice to hear Michael reading a contest again, because in the early days of the podcast, the half episodes where we cover all the contests, that was all Michael. So this is bringing me back here. I just want to see the actual art that was sent in so badly. I want to know. It'll I come, want up, to know. come up soon enough. That's how they were getting, because they had brought back their drawing board feature, and every one of the drawing board submissions now was just responses to contests. You couldn't just submit blindly any... So they were just like, you know, basically loading the chamber for a future uh, issue, so... I'm going to throw it to... Steve, go for it. You know... I was just looking at the top 10 list in the back. Oh, boy. (laughs) Let's do it. It's got to be bad. It's, it's be bad. bad. So it's the top 10 real reasons why the new Superman movie was delayed. Oh, boy. Which is what we've talked about. The Nicolas Cage, Tim Burton, Superman. So I'll read number 10 because it's not that offensive. Uh, number 10, Tim Burton waiting for Prince to be busy and thus unable to contribute to the soundtrack. Okay. <laughs> Did not want it back. Okay. Yeah. Making fun of the Batman Prince album, which we all love. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love the Prince album. Come on, yeah. Scandalous oh, is yeah, a great song. Good, yeah. I'd rather just listen to the Danny Elfman score. I, I would not listen to the Prince soundtrack any day of the week. All I needed was the Party Man single. Everything else. I Honestly, exactly. Bat, Bat Dance is the only bad song on that album, really. The other <laughs> one's really good. Scandalous is one of my favorite Prince songs, bar none. Number nine, Margot Kidder kept sneaking onto set screaming, You've got me, who's got you? And then eating bugs i don't understand i don't get this okay, joke so you probably she don't remember at this time there was a story in the news margot kidder was having some mental health issues and she oh. showed up in somebody's backyard and she was missing teeth and she just was out of it and they're poking fun at that that's not cool not I cool know. i don't like uh, that at all uh week being of which you could probably skip number eight <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Well, we'll just skip it. We'll let you read it. Uh, find it for yourself, geeks. I'll go to number seven. El Nino, which was all over the news. And yes. Whenever I think of El Nino, I can only picture Chris Farley on SNL doing it. <laughs> it's the El only Nino, way. El Nino, which is Spanish for the, the Nino. Nino. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's all good. right. Well, give us number six. Okay, huge <laughs> who comes first in the credits debate between the gaffer and the best boy escalated into a full-fledged riot. Okay, Michael, Stephen, you guys went to film school. You must tell us, what is a gaffer? What is a best boy? A gaffer is an electrician, basically. Okay. Yes. A best boy, actually, there could be a couple different best boys. There could be a best boy that's an assistant to a gaffer or assistant to the lead grip. It it varies. It's just, it's a title that just, you're one step above a PA. You then, know, you have to, just, then you have to define a grip. A grip is just like a guy that, you know, okay, carries apple boxes and yeah. sets up equipment. Now and you have to you define know, an apple box. It's a wooden, <laughs> it's a wooden box. That Tom Cruise <laughs> has to stand on in every movie. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Don't piss uh, off Tom Cruise. I like Tom Cruise. So. <laughs> By the way, both five and four are making me uncomfortable. I'm going to do number five then. Terry Hatcher's no nudity clause. Yeah, like an audience would pay to see her act. Come on, guys. But they thought Terry Hatcher was going to be in the new Superman movie as Lois. That's weird. Yeah, nope. that's she was making that jump. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to skip the three. The CGI Beppo the Super Monkey, just way too much money. Okay. But they could, they, they could do a spider, though, you know, because <laughs> that yes. came out so well in the Flash movie. It looked great. Yeah, guys. <laughs> oh, boy. Next one's not that bad. All right, I'll take it. Number two, the ghost of original Superman series, George Reeves, kept materializing on the set, telling Tim Burton to get a haircut and then kicking him in the nuts. I feel like that's like a like a Mr. Burns reference when they did the uh Mr. Burns spies a baseball team and he's like yelling uh, yeah. at, at Don Mattingly to cut his sideburns. <laughs> I told you to trim those sideburns. You're off the team. I still like him better than Steinbrenner. All right. <laughs> All right, we'll close this out with number one, or if you want to go to number four, you decide. Oh man. Let's go with number one. Uh, Rogaine? It only works in select cases. They were so hung up on it, Nicolas Cage's receding hairline. It's just like, come on. It's called a wig. It's what you do. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like in Con Air, he had really long hair. 
Well, but did and did they say? I'm pretty sure that the character models is he was going to have like a big pompadour thing. Like they were going to do really weird hair for Clark Kent in the movie, from what I recall. That so, makes sense. That, that tracks. All right, who are you throwing to, Stephen? As we get ready to close out, who hasn't gone in a while? Uh, I'll say uh, William again. So we're closing out soon because I got like two things and now I got to prioritize. Yeah, prioritize because we, we got to r- wrap this up. You can come back for the half episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. All yeah. right. So again, this isn't really like a section, but you gave us free reign. So this is where my brain went to. One theme that popped out at me from this issue was the competitive nature within image comics, because there is a feature early on where they're talking about how Top Cow is about to add two more titles to give them a whopping five titles. And they're talking about how they're focused on like quality and not quantity. And even though like half the books they end up adding don't make it either they're still just the witchblade darkness publisher now like they were then but um there's that and then meanwhile they talk about how there was an artist who they retained who was about to oh i think it was michael turner who was gotten offered to be snatched up by wildstorm and this is before wildstorm was sold to dc so it's like you've got image guys poaching their stars from each other or at least trying to do so but also like bolstering their ranks Top Cow's expanding to five titles, but in the beginning of this issue of Wizard, there's like a six-page ad section that's nothing but Wildstorm stuff, and a lot of those books there aren't Wildstorm. Like, some of them are, it's the stuff you would expect, like Divine Right and Deviate and Wildcats, but then, like, I didn't remember Dark Child being under that umbrella, but Maybe Queen jumped all over the place. Place. yeah he really did but he i mean it, it for all the good it did him you know like well but, but, but to your point well it's really interesting because you know mark silvestri left image because rob liefeld tried to poach you know michael turner from him so when jim lee does it he's fine but when it's rob he's you know, not okay with that i just found that a really interesting piece of history yeah it just it was just interesting to see all the things that had fallen off like of course there's gen 13 going through like their new incarnation but then there's stuff i never heard of like wild core and wildcats aliens which i don't know if that ever came out yeah then there's stuff like that you know about like planetary but then they have crimson and battle chasers which i guess count because they're cliffhanger but now you're kind of getting into your subsidiaries it was almost like they were like getting ready to go to battle (laughs) you know it was like why do you need so many properties are you doing a big hollywood pitch soon or what is going on here because their portfolio is overflowing and it just it was interesting that they were trying to steal each other's star yeah that is really fascinating yeah and the top cow it says there that they were now number three behind dc and marvel which i cannot believe but if darkness and witchblade were selling that well that's amazing like wow just uh, if you put them on the map that way all right well are, are we good for me to close this out here i just want to make a little announcement i just need a, i need a moment so i have a little bit of a breaking news i've been thinking about this for a little bit of a while now and uh As a lot of you guys know, I've had a hard time making the regular episodes consistently over the last year, and it's getting to be more challenging. So 
coming in 2024, I may have to take a little bit of a further step back, but I have an idea of how I want to evolve my role with the podcast. And uh, I'm going to work with Adam on this on the side. And I have a kind of a really cool idea and vision, but it might take me a little bit away from the main episodes for a little while. But I want to just talk to everybody because like, I truly appreciate everyone, the patrons, the the, the fans, the, the subscribers, the Instagram, everybody. Um, I just... I've got a lot of stuff going on in my life that's making it a little bit challenging to be on the show consistently, but I have a vision for a way that I want to make this take the show to another level. And I'm going to be starting it at New York Comic Con as well as do some other content in the future too that I want to create. But I just might have to take a little bit of a step back due to some personal stuff that won't allow me to be as consistently on the main episodes. So I just want to give everybody a heads up in case you're surprised. I know this may even be breaking news to Adam because I haven't talked about it to him yet, but I, it's been something that's been kind of weighing heavily on me for for a while now and i kind of wanted to you know bring it up while i have some of our favorite folk on the show here and you know being the four-year anniversary of the show that i just kind of talk about some stuff so that's all yeah totally understand and it makes sense but the, the idea of you know producing content in a different way new and exciting content is awesome so that i think that that's a great way to take it yeah we'll get into the details good to hear though that you know you you have a plan so mm-hmm. oh yeah i've been thinking better for a while so I, i have an idea back to you as we close out here guys we do just have to have a very quick debate because if there was a centerpiece of this issue in terms of geek conversation it's definitely the greatest american hero as they call it here although there is an asterisk because they are pitting Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, and Wolverine against each other and asking themselves, the wizard staffers, to determine who is the best superhero ever. But they do say, because they called it the greatest American hero, they say, yeah, yeah, we know. Wolverine's Canadian, but he was created in American comics. Now get reading, smart guy. So <laughs> they, they could have said North American hero. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But basically, they have different categories, and then the staffers involved voted, and it looks like, based on how they're doing the scoring, that there were six people involved in this voting. But they have origin, costume, motivation, abilities or accessories, personality or attitude, and then... They give you the winner at the end based on the score, you know, of each of those categories. So I was curious your thoughts here. First of all, just with Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, and Wolverine, would you say those are the top tier heroes to pit against each other? Well, if you're saying American, I would probably have put Captain America over Wolverine. That's just me. But, you know, popularity wise, yeah, I would say those are the most popular you know superheroes don't you know trademark um (laughs) don't put that dash or that capital h in there (laughs) you know and as it sort of breaks out so you know i do think that you know the origin story batman has the strongest origin story and it's you know by far like and it's it's set the tone for so many other origin stories to come from that i would give that 100 yeah i'd agree there now costume i don't know if Spider-Man is the, I mean, the only thing that Spider-Man's costume has over everybody else's is the fact that you don't know his identity at all. Like everybody's got a mouth or eyes. Like 
except for Spider-Man's, you know, fully covered up. And I do think he's got that, but I just like, I don't know. Like, is is Spider-Man's costume the best, do you guys think? Well, they say it's the most striking and the most attention-getting, even though Superman definitely is the one who, like they say here, the model for all that followed. Everybody put on, you know, a bath towel and became Superman, you know? And every superhero of his era that followed had a cape. But he doesn't even get one vote in the costume section so they definitely they said that's true but it's not the coolest spider-man's is the coolest according I just, to them. i just think that s like when you anybody anywhere in the world when they see that s they know that superman you know if you ask me that's my thoughts but hey I, the I, spider-man costume i would say is the most i don't know it's it's pretty amazing and like no pun intended and spectacular <laughs> and spectacular it's uh, there's just something about it. It's so striking. The design is so different from anything that came before it. You kind of got to give it up. I would think to the Spider-Man costume. All right, fine. But now, I mean, the, I love the Superman. Co- I love all the costumes. They're all great. I now, guess the question I have is what are we like? What are we going for in terms of like the most American, like the most like, would it be America's choice for like number one hero or the hero that most embodies America? Because well, that, well, that would be Superman uh, of, the, of this list. See, I, I'm on. I'm of the opposite track where the one who is like the number one hero for America, I would say Superman, but the one who embodies America, I go back to Spider-Man because of the mask. And it's because of a discussion that came up when like Miles Morales started getting traction in that, like, there's a lot of pushback on like, why does he exist? He's just like an affirmative action character. Like we already have Peter Parker. What is it but one thing people really stressed during those fights was like anybody could be under that mask you know and whenever marvel kind of reverts back to the whole like we're just the world outside your window he is always the leading the charge of that because he does fit outside your window like under that mask could be anyone it could be an afro latino kid from queens it could be peter parker it could be spider gwen ghost spider whatever they call her this week (laughs) you know like so that's why i think like i guess i have to understand what they're asking but i think at the end of the day i'm gonna say superman and i'm team batman all the way but we're talking about america here like it's superman I, I, based on the whole America argument, I feel like Superman is how America wants to see itself, and Batman is how America really is. Yeah, Ooh, there you go. Just this violent, angry, you know, revenge-driven, bitter and jaded, bitter and jaded. Whereas Superman is like the ideal version of ourselves where it's like well if we had superpowers we'd be the best version of ourselves and we'd help people and all this kind of stuff whereas batman is like maybe i would use maybe the power would go to my head and i would just beat the crap out of people in alleyways (laughs) what i find interesting though is they do separate origin from motivation so like what happened to you but what motivates you and they gave it to spider-man which was 100 percent my first thought because like you're saying batman Honestly, he should have gotten over it. If he went to a therapist, they're going to say, you were a child. You were not in control. It was a random act of violence. None of it had anything to do with you. You don't need to avenge the world, right? But Spider-Man, 
man, he had a chance to stop it and he didn't. And so if he had acted and been, you know, a little bit more heroic in that moment, Uncle Ben theoretically could still have been alive. And so it's one of those situations that he's never going to be able to get rid of that guilt. Like that is hard and that motivates him in such a great way. But I love what they say. Wolverine has no obvious motivation. Sure, he'll do what he feels is right, but he just does whatever he wants, whatever he wants. It's just like Wolverine, whatever. But I disagree with what they say is Superman's motivation because it's, I just think that there's so many threads either through Jor-El or Pa Kent being like, you were brought here for a reason. You were given these powers for a reason. And like, to protect all of us, whether it's a godlike figure or what have you. But like, I've always felt that sort of way with Superman. Like he was sent to Earth for a reason and he has these gifts for a reason. Like there's a purpose for that from birth. Nobody else from birth becomes a hero, essentially, in that regard. So it kind of rounds out with two more with abilities versus accessories. And obviously Superman wins it all because he's got all the abilities. <laughs> like he's got, he's got all the cool stuff. Though I will say, you know, as a kid, I more envisioned myself like shooting webs from my wrists or like grabbing onto a wall, wishing my hands would stick more than trying to jump over the couch and fly. That was sort of like, oh, come on. Come on, fingers. Just stick to that wall, please. That would be cool. Yeah, def- I mean, definitely. And Batman has the coolest gadgets, but they are just gadgets, you know, like mm-hmm. that you would create yourself. Now, personality wise, I-, I just think it's funny because, again, they voted for Spider-Man to win that one. But this description does not fit, in my opinion. The Seinfeld of comics. To contrast Peter Parker's problematic personal life, Spidey's bouncy comical jousting makes him the most entertaining superhero around. He's the Seinfeld? I mean, I guess <laughs> he's erotic, but... <laughs> but, but... But Seinfeld, they have no empathy. No. They're, they're, they're narcissists. and They're New Yorkers. He's a New Yorker. <laughs> I guess. But Seinfeld loves Superman, so... Well, what sitcom too. character is Peter Parker then? Who who do we relate him to? Who's the everyman? But who's a Chandler good Bing? <laughs> Chandler's too sar. Well, I guess he is sarcastic though. You're yes. right. Uh, Alex P. Keaton, I would say. Okay, he's got a little bit like the quippy Michael J. Fox underdog. Or what's his name from from Growing Pains? Uh, Kurt uh, Cameron. Cameron? Cameron? Mike Mike Seaver. No. <laughs> Early seasons, Mike Seaver, maybe. I mean, if you if you're going by Ditko, he was probably boner. He would have been boner on that show. <laughs> well, I mean, like in terms of the humor, when this issue came out, he was still funny. I think that like once Joe Kelly starts to flesh out Deadpool to make him the Deadpool we know today, because he should really get credit for that. Spider-Man becomes less known as a funny guy. In fact, in modern days, if Spider-Man cracks too many jokes, the fandom's kind of like, why is he doing this? Like, he's trying too hard. Like, he just got punched in the face. And it's like, no, like, 30 years ago, this is what he did. But they're just used to, like, Deadpool is this human punching bag now that humor is now his domain. So I would agree with Seinfeld of comics in 1998, you know? Fair enough. All right. Well, the final score, though, Spider-Man was the winner. He got 12 points overall. Batman was right behind him with 10. Superman with five. Wolverine, no matter how popular he was, just three points that he got overall. So he's definitely not. But I do see here that they actually want everybody to vote online. And they say, okay, you tell us 
who you think the greatest superhero of all time was. And we put that out to uh, all of our folks following us on social media. We did a little X poll and they did, in fact, vote the exact same way. So it was crazy to see that the attitude is 100% the same now that it was back in 1998. So Spider-Man's the best. Everybody agrees. There you go. Very, very fun times. But guys, we're going to wrap it up here. Like I said, you can join us on the mini episode for all the rest of the things. Jim and Todd's hype machine tally and all that. Is Adam's it- getting an itch. He's like, I have to cover so many things in the mini episode. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, this was fun. Did you enjoy it? It, it was. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. Yes. Will, did you anxiety die down my anxiety never died down no i had a lot of fun but i'm still kind of like but page 36 and the gen 13 thing and then we didn't oh, do we this, but... this yeah <laughs> right, right. Oh, so much but no but i think we we got a good go around here so now you guys get a look into what the show could have been and now when we get back to episode 84 you'll feel the comfort the comfort of the format we must return to the <laughs> you just made us smoke the whole carton of cigarettes. That's we right. learned our lesson. <laughs> <laughs> this really was fun, guys. So thanks for being here. And why don't we just find out where we can find you guys online? Steven, do you want anybody to find your social medias or just your work these days? Oh, or the movie? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Look for the movie. Uh, it's on Tubi now, UFO Club. And that's about it. I don't really have a public social media anymore. Okay. Will, how about you? Well, first off, I want to say go see UFO Club on Tubi. I saw it like the day it hit streaming and I loved it and it's great. Oh, so thank definitely, you. definitely do that. But for me, uh, on X, I hate calling it that, I'm <laughs> at William B. West on TikTok. If you're one of those young hep cats, I am at William B. West. And I have a website, westweekever.com, where I just rant about pop culture. Excellent. And you know, you guys are going to keep an eye out for Michael at New York Comic Con. But where else can they find us, Michael? You can find us on X at Wizards Comics, at Facebook, Wizards the Podcast Guide to Comics, on Instagram, Wizards underscore comics. You can go to our YouTube channel, Wizards the Podcast Guide to Comics. You can go to our website, wizardcomics.com. And I think we're on Blue Sky now, right? We are on Blue Sky, that is for sure. So you can definitely check that out. It's a fun, you know, growing community over there. If you need invitations, DM us. We have a few that have built up since we've been on there and contributing. So if you want to get into that club, let us know. But if you want to get over to Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Wizards Comics, I will tell you that we are planning to drop a very fun episode that will be out about the time this episode comes out for our 90s super cinema. Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness. Because Michael never seen it yeah and so it's just like a first time watch for him so army of darkness but of course if you want to figure out all the perks that we have to offer for just five bucks a month literally as we were getting on for this show we had a new patron sign up and hey let's give them all a shout out right now so as we mentioned brent cranfill was joined as we started this episode but we also have david fink how about marway bruno cavalcante david m dolly Bor, yes the indie hype man js Evan Bryant, Gary Hutcherson, Fernando Pinto, Jeremy Daw, Greg Schuler, Melt Face Killer, Brian Acosta, Steve King, Denim Jedi, Mitchell Hall, Lee Markowitz, Stephen Forshaw, Mickey and Jason at the Retro Network, and Mark McDonald. As always, we can't thank you enough for your support, especially those longtime members, but you're coming from all over the world to support the podcast. Thank you for listening. Glad you're enjoying it, and more to come. But, yeah, guys, this was a 
ton of fun. And thank you so much for being here and being part of the conversation. But until next time, keep your books bagged and boarded. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.